Welcome to Context with Advanced Design. Context is a podcast space where laid-back conversations on design, life, and everything in between happen. In this show, we interview experts in our field, but also students, educators, and anyone who's part of the industrial design family. Thank you for tuning in, and here's today's episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Context with Advanced Design. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Hector Silva. Today, we have two special guests uh, from the UK. Thank you so much for being here, Brad Harper and Drew Kendrick, both representing and founders of the organization Design Truth. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, we've been watching from the sidelines as you guys kind of started your organization um, this past year. And would love to hear more about who you guys are, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, we can get started. And uh, before you talk about Design Truth, it would be great for both Brad and Drew to give us a little information about your backgrounds, because that might help us connect the dots on why Design Truth exists. So do you want me to start, Drew? Yeah, you go first. I'll go first. I'll be the guinea pig. So uh, my name's Brad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, even a designer, so I'm going to get that one out of the way straight up. I don't do design or confess to be a designer. And the, the minute you've, you you think that I am a designer, then I would question your abilities because the minute you see me sketch is not a great a great time. Um, so I'm actually a recruiter. I've been doing it for six, seven years. And I suppose in that journey, I probably once tried to tap Drew up for a job or something like that. And then we just got talking. I think that's kind of how... Design Truth started. I think it started on a train platform, to be honest with you, when Drew was talking to me and we were a little bit annoyed um, about <laughs> the world, kind of ran, ranted whilst I was waiting for my train. And then just things kind of continued um, from there. But um, to give you a bit more context, I'm a, an industrial design recruiter. So all I really know is the world of industrial design. And um, yeah, we. Well, the reason why I started Design Truth was to both change the status quo in terms of the stereotype against what I do for work so over in the UK recruiters aren't held in the, the highest of regard I would say I'm sure Drew would both would confess for that as well um so I'm going to be a was... recruiter at some point in my career potentially yeah. so <laughs> just <laughs> exactly so that was kind of primary goal number one was to maybe just change that a little bit but also in the UK, and I'm sure we'll get onto this in a bit more depth as this goes on, but there isn't really anything like but design truth or advanced design or it's absolutely nothing. So it, it it's the, that kind of community kind of spirit that is absolute kind of nada. There's zilch out there that, that, that does it. And um, I think 2020 has been a bit of a mad year. So if there's ever been a real kind of need for something community-led then I would say that 2020 is probably the year for that so um, I think just through general circumstances and stuff that's happened we kind of came together and and here we are which and it sounds bizarre when you introduce us as design truth and think that it's probably the first time I've ever heard that over the last year <laughs> so um, it's uh, super kind of cool to be here and we really appreciate your time as well but um Drew, I don't know if you can answer that better than I can because I just I tend to just waffle as you're really. I can answer it better about who I am. Yeah. For sure. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that being the question, um, yeah. So I'm Drew Kendrick. Um, actually, before I get started, uh, yeah, just want to say how flattered and grateful we are to um, to be invited 
Um, and today is, is our first time being a guest on... Yeah, yeah. I've got a clue what being a guest is like. <laughs> yeah, so it's a real strange and exciting experience. Um, and yeah, I think today we were talking earlier about it's a different kind of pressure, you know? I feel like we have to be uh, at least at least a bit interested, at least give you something <laughs> to, uh, to uh, you know. um, So yeah, um, essentially that's it. Yeah, we... Um, so I'll start with me. Uh, my name is Drew Kendrick. Um, I've, I graduated uh, from product design from Bournemouth University in 2005. So I've been working a number of different titles, but essentially a product designer, industrial designer, design engineer, whatever you want to call it, whatever the different industries give it different names, um, but sketching ideas, coming up with ideas, and then trying to realize those into, uh, into reality um, for 15 or something years. Uh, most of my career has been in the medical device industry, or in consumer uh, electronics, um, and a large part of the remainder has been in uh, secondary steel work, oil and gas, pressure vessels. So whatever work you can get in North Wales, I think that's probably uh, a similar experience for a lot of people around the world. Is you know you design the things that are being made near you, um, and then there's I'm not one of those uh, exceptional talents that was plucked from obscurity and taken to um, you know. Uh, the sunnier climes of uh, of California um, to work at those exciting brands, but I have been fortunate enough to, to break my way into some um, you know household names. Uh, yeah, and I'm always very grateful to have those experiences because you know you learn from every angle. You learn from um, the boring, uh, <laughs> less glamorous roles that you do just because they're nearby and you learn a lot from those that uh, that take you to, uh, take you a bit out of your comfort zone as well um so yeah uh, we started uh, yeah I'll, I'll pick up on, on what brad said about design truth uh yeah a little bit of uh, frustration at um things that are outside of your control i would say you know as a designer you kind of you want to have more influence than you often can achieve um you want to design the way that we design things or you want to design part of the organization that allows you to, to deliver these ideas um, or the, you know, the concepts and so on that you're, that you're working hard at. Um, but I think I got a bit frustrated at being told, hey, you know, we appreciate the passion and you creative types, this and that, all those kind of things that you hear from suits. You're like, it's not a matter of passion and, and just creativity. It's a matter of like research and insight and delivery on those ideas into concepts and you know yeah so those frustrations can can uh, really become a brick wall sometimes so after a bit of a half hour event at brad um who at that point i'd never met other than you know just phone calls um i was amazed when i finally saw him and what he looked like <laughs> um yeah we thought we you know we need I, I won't i won't ask what you actually thought <laughs> oh my god then I shan't, I shan't tell. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we just, we just, I always felt like, wouldn't it be nice if we had something like Harmontown, but for designers, where you could turn up, you'd have a guest speaker on, uh, but you'd have crowd participation, you'd have people coming up and asking questions and getting super involved. Um, you had that this idea of like a Sunday service, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I always wanted to get, um, I mean, it didn't even have to all be around just design. I just wanted to have like, what I always called like atheist church where you would have a guest lecturer on on a Sunday when you know you turn up you might be a little bit hungover you might be tired you might be sleepy but it's like if you don't play five aside or rugby or something like that in the, in the morning 
you can go to what any one of the hundreds of abandoned churches around um, around Britain and yeah listen to a sermon listen to something that's uh, maybe about like philosophy or psychology or design or something um, that just kind of gives you something to think about for the rest of the week which you know is the intent of you know of, of mass or of service or whatever on a Sunday morning uh, so out of all of that we thought well we can't get everyone together it becomes really really expensive to do all these things so let's start with a podcast at least and then you know the global pandemic hit and it was really really <laughs> option so uh yeah here we are right i'll uh, i'll shut up and um, stop <laughs> sounds good um well thank you so much a couple of things that i got from your answers is frustration mm-hmm. um and i love that because i feel like anything that exists usually starts from frustration, uh, usually starts from bringing up these issues to someone and or bring up new ideas or proposing new you know, ideas to someone and those ideas get rejected and you're like, you know what? No one wants to support me or no one's listening. I'm going to do things on my own. And that's essentially what happened to me. So I can totally relate to what you guys are talking about. Um, I've been an educator for quite some time and in also frustrated with design education would bring up solutions and ideas to schools and and other organizations and they were like yeah you know we're not interested or this might be too much for us to do and i'm just like all right then i'll do it on my own i'll build mm-hmm. a community i will get people on board etc so what you guys are doing is it's pretty cool i always applaud initiative because Whenever you want to give to the community, that requires a, a very certain type of DNA. Because um, I think as humans, I think it's pretty pretty normal for us to be selfish and that's okay, right? And as designers, we're pretty selfish, right? Like we're like, oh, like this has to be like this and this CMF and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when you start giving your time and your energy to enhance people, uh, people's education and the community and you start to give um, that requires a different type of, of just strain in your DNA, you know, you're selfless. And I, I applaud you guys because that requires um, some courage. So that that's pretty cool. Not a lot of people, you know, are thinking, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to start something for other people. Um, especially in 2020, 2020 is all about um, you need to take care of yourself yeah. and you need to stay at home and you need to, hoard all the toilet paper and you know, like it, it is a very selfish year. <laughs> that's right and totally okay um but um also that that being said we're all glued to our laptops because we're all trying to find different ways of staying connected and trying to find different content to kind of continue educating yourselves so i appreciate what you guys are doing i can give you some examples of um of what you touched upon there of I never really realized this until like a guest would come on and they would reach out to us independently or a couple of weeks later. And we realized, I think I probably mentioned this to Drew a couple of weeks back, but we've had some guests have come on and they've been off the back of it. They've been, I don't know, approached to do a Ted talk or something like that. We've had agencies that have come on that have actually won work off the back of it. So like a client has heard them talk and they've, Oh yeah, we've had, um, designers that have picked up freelance gigs off the back of Design Truth in terms of the network that's come off the back of it. Mm-hmm. 
so I think you're absolutely right in terms of what you mentioned. There's no real kind of self gain that's really kind of for, for me and Drew's sake of, of what's coming from it. But what is quite nice is when we, you know, you get those messages that do come through of, and I'm sure advanced design, probably you must get that pretty, pretty frequently as well is when you get a message which says, Hey, I've saw your thing and I reached out to that guy and he actually gave me some work. And it's like, well, that's really good for you that you've had, you've also got the initiative to go and do that. And if it wasn't the fact that me and Drew spend, you know, hours editing into the late night and things like that, 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 that wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened. So yeah, it's quite nice that we can kind of give back in, in those ways and then we'll not expect anything from yeah. our end as well. Yeah. I think, you know, the, one of the, um, one of the important things about at least our podcast is that it's not, there's not really a lot of us talking. Um, no. I, I mean, I don't think so anyway. I think we bring on people to ask them questions and to kind of drill down. Same as um, like, like we said off air, um, that, that you do with with your talks and um, with your uh, conversations that you've had and that it's really to bring someone on and to hear about them and by hearing about someone completely unrelated to yourself you get um you know it's a bit like listening to a record isn't it you know that's about an, a personal experience but you've got some shared overlap there you can take something away from it for yourself as well and sort of recognize similar experiences and similar feelings as well and uh, I think with designers, because there's so many, uh, you know, there's so much uh, clandestine um, processes and, and the, the, the nature of all the NDAs that are around the work, you can't really talk about your most exciting stuff. You can talk about stuff that you finished yeah. out on the shelves or that didn't go anywhere. And a lot of your portfolio work can just be things that you really didn't really do anything with unless it's made it to market. But if you're a youngster or if, you work for a company that doesn't kind of make things that go out onto the shelves, you know, that's, um, that's difficult to do. So one of the things we wanted just to, to open up was that little bit of free chat about, um, you know, you can share anecdotes, you can tell stories. Um, and while they're very specific uh, to that person, there's still like, there's still something you can take away as a listener as well. And I, I'd like to think that's what people get out of, out of listening to it is, is again, building that sort of shared, um, shared intelligence, shared experience, a little bit of empathy around the group as well. Um, so yeah, to be honest, selfish or not, there's not really anything for us to gain by doing it. No, <laughs> I still find it weird that people actually listen to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, that, I don't know if uh, to me recently. Um, no idea why people listen to us. I, I, yeah, I just, you know, you, you go, through, you sort of process that a little bit. I was like, did you have that? Did you have that hector? This kind of like almost like imposter syndrome of you know what people are actually like watching us, <laughs> and listen. It's like, it's almost you've got a bit more of that kind of pressure of like I've kind of got a bit of a say here or a little bit of influence here. I need to make sure that I don't you know, say something that's not quite right or I give the wrong message off, and mm. uh, you start to feel that kind of you start to doubt yourself a little bit. Like actually, you know what? I've got to take a step back here and just make sure that I don't bring on a certain guest, for example, because that's going to upset someone I had on in episode four who didn't get on with that person. Such a small world um, that you realise that quite, I mean, I've had some certain questionable messages of very, don't not not happy that you've brought this person on or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's your issue with the per, that person, not with us. We haven't got a bloody clue what's going on. But um, how have you found that kind of process of like setting up advanced design? Sorry if I'm interviewing you now, but um, I'm just kind of a creature of habit, creature, creature of habit. 
But how yeah. have you found it? Because you're obviously a few years ahead of us. I'm just interested to know how you found dealing with imposter yeah. syndrome and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So a couple of things. As you're as you're continuing to build this platform, um, people are going to start to to listen and to follow what you're saying. And you you ask a very you just ask yourself a very good question. Um, you know, I think the question was, I can't believe people are listening to me. And I think that's really key. I think reflection is very important because you don't want that to go to your head saying oh people are listening to me therefore i'm going to be the voice representing I'm the, yeah i'm the star of the show that thing is that the voice representing the whole industry um and that right there is 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 i think the first step towards a really rocky starts to because then you start to say it's about you 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 um and then for you know and then people start following you and then somehow your rhetoric becomes you know it almost becomes like a very like a cult right and you don't you as someone who has a platform you have the responsibility to listen to other people um and and to hear their needs and their thoughts um and to find ways to um bring people together that it is a small industry it's a small community and um People are going to do some shady stuff, and uh, you have to do what's best for the community, not for the, not for yourself or the organization. We kind of went through it, uh, you know, in past years where we've had one of our speakers at our conferences. Um, he was a speaker, and he totally violated our our um, conference terms and conditions, and um, we didn't know until after. And it was embarrassing for us, um, but we needed to do what's right um, because your service is to the community, not to one specific person or not to your speakers. It's to the community. Yeah. Yeah. And the community is always going to outweigh a small team of 10 people or five people um, because the community is what's going to support you. They're going to listen in. They're going to give you the engagement numbers. They're going to donate to you. Whatever that means, the community at the end will always be there. Um, and you want to do right. Um, so the only way to get over this imposter syndrome is to get around other people. And I think you guys are doing that with your podcast. You're inviting other voices um, and they're educating your audience. And you guys are there to moderate and to um, be curators of the information um, as opposed to other podcasts where it's just two people. Yeah, and it's the same two people on... People, and then you're just like, like you, these are two guys who are just um telling them uh, telling the audience about a very small perspective of their life and it really doesn't um help the the audience or the bigger demographic so you quite right Uh, i mean i always i always sort of have viewed it as um like user testing Uh, yeah exactly yeah like user interviews and that type of thing you know so you've got a bit of a structure you know a little bit about them beforehand you've got a couple of things that you want to um talk to them about but really it's a matter of inviting their opinions um and you know having a play with those um i don't think that you know if you if you to 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 sort of swim back to the analogy if you um were doing product testing and you brought in a bunch of users and told them all about the product that's not helpful to either the development team or the users would you know of course what we would prefer to do is just kind of hand it to them and let them have a tinker and see what they um, see what they think, and then we hear all of that open feedback, and that's what's 
that's what's useful to us, you know, and, and that's what's useful to anybody in the development team, anybody in marketing. So where it comes to the, to the podcast is really that's, um, you know, when Brad mentioned earlier about um, the imposter syndrome, is that something that, for example, has come up a number of times? Design education has. Um, I always bang on about a few a few specific things oh it's always the same stuff isn't it you get me started on portfolios Hector and you won't you won't shut me up it's (laughs) so don't don't get me started on that but uh yeah I have a friend who uh is a designer and uh, he's based in Australia but he would come to the United States because he had clients um and he works he worked for some really big brands Motorola he worked for Minimal and other studios here in the States, but then he would go back to Australia. And at one point in his career, he started a school. This was COVID. He started a design school and he called it auxiliary. You guys can look it up. And for those who are listening, I'll link the, that information, but it was awesome. I think it lasted for two to three years, or I think four years. Uh, This guy is an amazing designer, has amazing vision. Every time he would come to Chicago where we're based, I would, we would meet for coffee and I would be like, dude, how did you do this? Like, mm-hmm. like what made you take the jump? And um, he was like, you just got to do it. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. What are you going to do? Go get more experience and then do it because that's not how it works. It doesn't matter if you have 50 years of experience or 10 years of experience, you just have to do it. And, and, and as you're doing it, you will gain that confidence and that experience that you're looking for. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect and you're going to fail and shit's going to hit the fan for sure. But um, quote unquote, what are you going to do? Go get more experience because you're just wasting time when you can actually be doing things. And of course, when you're doing stuff, don't ever do stuff on your own because you don't know everything. Getting around people, um, rallying people around your vision because then it becomes everyone's vision you're able to accomplish a lot more than you are by yourself. So, Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and when we first started, we had, uh, right, Brad set up a, a Slack group um, to bring other people on together. I remember it was called Design is the Action, remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Brad's just started a Discord as well. And we've already had already quite a big uptake on that as well. So it's kind of, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, Design Truth shouldn't be me and Brad. I mean, IDcast, the, the podcast will probably always be Brad and me. Um, but the rest of it should be something where, you know, contributors come from all angles and from all levels, uh, within the UK industry, because, uh, you know, that's the, that's the purpose of it. That's the nature of it. And it runs out of steam rapidly if it is just us two. Um, whereas what we're trying to do is to get those links into, uh, design education and, bridging the gap between the industry and, and, and academia because you know the same things i think i think the, the podcast or the the, the person you were just talking about then is the podcast episode that i listened to this afternoon mm. uh, about auxiliary um and that was just it, it just hit so many of my own buttons that, yep. um you know for a long time i've been wanting to um start trying to you know, start trying to write a book start trying to get uh some kind of academy going and the one thing that being um my, my, my partner always talk about is, okay, let's say you win the Euro millions, what are you going to spend the money on? I'm going to go out to the middle of uh, Northwest Wales and I'm going to buy a barn and I'm going to convert it into a workshop and a studio that anyone can turn up and use. And prefer- like preferential treatment goes to those who don't have uh, design training of any kind. 
you know, just get the creative kids in. Um, similar to what Jamie Oliver did with his uh, 15 restaurant, you know, give those opportunities for, um, for experience to those who don't have access to that because of their geography or because of their class or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the closest thing we can do where we don't have bricks and mortar because that's, that's, you know, that's too expensive is digital community. And that's where, you know, Brad really excels in bringing those people in just because of a sheer number of contacts and it's, oh, it's, it's an approach to people. You know, you're a people person. Fortunately, yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I've been doing recruitment for a few years now. So although I may be a new face to some people in the sense, Oh, I've never heard of that guy before, but I've been doing it for a while. So the, the contact book does come out and does give us a, a standing start. Should we say maybe people that have, I don't know, found a job for or a client I've met or gone for a drink with or something like that. And it's like, hey, can you just like jump on a podcast with me and Drew just for half an hour and we'll just have a chat. And, and that really is um, how it started. But you're absolutely right. You, you should never do these things on your own. I mean, I could barely edit audio when this thing started. So, I mean, if I was to do it on my own, there would be no funky music in the intro. It, it, it really wouldn't be... Uh, it really wouldn't be entertaining, but I'm hoping that people can get a feel for the tone here when me and Drew talk. It's um, it's not super serious in the sense of when we kind of come together. And that's what I've always felt when I do listen to podcasts is that it could be a quite intense listening, um, but also um, I, there is a little bit of ego in design, I think. I mean, I'm a bit of a people person, but I have to say some of you guys do have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder sometimes. <laughs> and, and, and I think what me and Drew have tried to set out quite early on with, with truth is what well, the name is truth, isn't it? So we kind of say it how it is and it does have a little bit of a kind of a British humor kind of element to it as well in terms of how we interact and we do it with our guests as well. And that's something that we try and get, we don't, I've seen lots of podcasts where it's like we'll get on the person that heads up design at a really cool company and we'll just kind of bow down to them for an hour and we'll just tell them how wonderful they are. I don't really think you kind of learn from sessions like that. So I'd rather just bring on someone that's doing something a bit weird and wacky and we'll have a chat with them for an hour about a startup that they're, they're doing. I think someone can learn from that. Whereas yeah. if I was just to get the head guy at Samsung on, you're not going to really learn anything and it's you're going to go for two weeks of PR approvals by the time you can even get this thing out so it, for us it's all been about community and I feel like getting chat that's a little bit more relatable a bit more what it's actually like you know in the good old days down the pub after work pre-lockdown days that's really what Design Truth is about it's just kind of chat you would have amongst a group of friends but you're listening to someone else that you've never heard before chatting about their experience. And we just thankfully now can give them a bit of a platform in a sense of, Hey, we get all these listeners. You might want to come on and mm. there's this mutual benefit, but that that's always what the essence of design is going to be about. Even if we get like thousands of listeners, it's just me and Drew having a, sometimes a bottle of red wine after work and just, and just having a chat, but that's really what it will always be. Um, and I'm, maybe that's why people listen. I'm not sure, but um that, that's always what design truth is going to be about i think yeah i, I, I think a really good point brad about the ego um and we sort of alluded to some of the creative confidence as well that's also typical so it's like i characterize the design ego as being yeah pretty large because you have to be able to back yourself but also mm. quite frankly, um, as well like a glass zeppelin um 
so I think it's I think it's good to have those conversations on the podcast with people who are working in, in the industry and about how times that they've faced, um, you know, something a bit humiliating uh, or where you've really been sure that you've got the right idea and it just won't. It just won't go. It just won't. It just won't yeah, go. There's not there's not really that much content, which I would say is aimed at kind of people that are working. So it's always these two extremes. So you've got like design leaders and it's all that kind of fluffy stuff. And the reason why people do it is so they can hope they can win business from them. That's that kind of, there's no, there's no point hiding it. You just get on someone senior because then you can hopefully, because they'll give you a job or something. But, or it's the other way where it's like solely aimed at an education level. There's never really anything aimed at I, what I would say the working designer, someone that's two years into the craft, wants to know how they go about becoming a midway designer or a senior or different things like that. What's it like to work in an agency where they're in-house? I mean, those kind of discussions. There's nothing ever really aimed at that kind of midpoint. So I think if you aim it there, then naturally it helps juniors anyway, because that's kind of the next part of their, their journey. Um, and that's where I hope we, we do kind of come in really is that everyone that we actually have on is someone that's kind of on the front line of design. Um, and we don't really bring on anyone that's kind of facilitating design or, you know, did design 40 years ago and, uh, you know, and, and kind of waxes lyrical about it. It's, it's people that are actually doing the job, working for brands that you see or you like, or you admire and, you've got respect for. I think people that we bring on, you've probably got a little bit of respect for. You think, okay, that person works for Joseph Joseph. They're, they're good at what they do. So we're going to listen to them for an hour and we can learn from it. But that, that's always been quite a key thing for us as well, is that we don't want to just kind of bow down to the, the senior design heads in the in the industry. Um, they're just normal people and I get on with them pretty well, but I wanted to, you know, I think if we aimed it for the bit in the middle, then you're naturally going to help help both sides of the coin as they kind of progress through their career. And that really is what recruitment's about is you're just following a, a person's career trajectory from when they start to when they finish. So that's how we can kind of bring people on is that you're just following this pathway. Um, so hopefully that gives you a bit of insight. I know I've waffled again, but um, uh, I, I, I love that. I love that. I, you know, even what uh, Drew said about ego, um, yeah, that, that's a really big problem, especially with the age of Instagram. Everyone is like totally flexing. And as an educator and as an organization that is focused on education, we have also campaigned for, you know, be transparent because what's online is it's misleading, right? Like, people are playing the Instagram game. If you're building a community, if you have, you know, if you started something, let the community build a community. You have no right to tell other people how to build a community, right? It takes knowledge to, to make this happen. So uh, I think you guys are starting off strong and, 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 you know, in the right way. And I love that very much. So I want to dive into most recently, a couple of weeks ago, you guys put together a salary guide and that, you know, drew a lot of attention. Um, a lot of people were very interested, especially here in the United States. I know you guys uh, started in the UK and started to investigate um, other um, geographical locations, but I would love for you guys to talk a little bit about that because I feel like the salary guide is um, very good. Um, it gives you a lot of information, but it also tells you what are some problems in design um, as far as how people are being compensated. 
Yeah, that was a really weird experience because about a week ago, I logged onto Discord because I saw you guys at a Discord and there's another one for, uh, is it minor details and all that? And um, I joined in on it and I went into the chat and they were talking about the guide. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> scrolled, I kind of scrolled up. So I hope no one started slagging me off here in this guide. And then thankfully it was all quite nice in terms of its comments, but that was a really surreal experience for mm. you kind of going into it thinking, hold on, <laughs> these people have actually looked at this thing that we've put together. So, uh, yeah, the salary guide is a, um, uh, I don't know how, what word I would describe it, but it's like a, a document of seven years in recruitment and just kind of laying that out to the world of, of hiring. I think it's one of the big things that I try and do is to kind of give people a little bit more of an insight into actually how hiring works. So when you, when we talk about kind of design, isn't that transparent, you know, it's all NDA driven and all that kind of thing. Mm. I think hiring generally isn't very transparent at all. Um, it, I remember we spoke to, um, I don't know if it was Julie, we spoke to Drew, and we were talking about salaries and gaps of salaries between genders. And he was like, it's 2020. Like, why is this still happening? And it, was like, it was almost like it was a shock to you that... Well, that yeah, and that shock, had cut, that conversation was from a few years ago. It was from yeah. maybe 2018. Um, and I was, I was just gobsmacked, just absolutely reeling from it. And... You know, to say the least, being disappointed that these kind of things are still going on. To be honest, I mean, I'm going to hold my hands up to my own privilege here as well. It's not something that I was even aware of that was happening. Pretty odd, eh? It's not something that you go, okay, well, we're, make, we're making strides towards that. I just didn't know about it. And then to see it, and then it's still ongoing. You sort of think, oh, well, if that was 10 years ago, then it's like, if you hear a bad attitude, or, yeah, like so many different bad attitudes you hear about it it being in the past and you go oh it's a different time but it isn't it's now and it's just all the more appalling for it um it it absolutely blew my mind and you know in the in the worst way um but just to chime in on the um on the salary guide brad because let's be fair brad did all of that (laughs) together he communicated it in a way that I thought was just so succinct and it gave not only the numbers, which you could just publish, you could just go, okay, here's some charts. Um, it's a LinkedIn post, right? Uh, but the way that you put the PowerPoint together um, and the way that... It's all about contextualizing things. So Exactly, yeah. There were other comments on there that said, okay, but if here's by geography, here's by um, the different levels of the agreement. Don't expect that. That's if you've got the good work. If you're not getting that, you know, analyze why. I thought it was really conversational and really, really provocative. And I'm surprised we didn't get slapped down more um, for it because it was transparent and it was honest and open. And it's what, it is what we want Design Truth to be about. Uh, you, you're right, you talk about those NDAs and all those barriers that are up already. When you start to remove that, someone's going to push back. Mm. Yeah, we haven't had many pushbacks yet, Drew. Maybe that maybe 2021 is the year we start getting a bit of pushback. But <laughs> um, so the guide is just for the UK and Oz. That's just because it's a world that I know mm-hmm. at the back of my hand. So I don't want to start quoting salaries in the Silicon Valley just for someone to say, but you're like $30,000 off there because you just like, look like a complete idiot. But I'd imagine the same rules apply in terms of the levels and the same issues that that people have. That's a global thing. I don't think that's exclusive to the UK, that 
you'll see some firms will pay quite high salaries at a level, but then they'll stagnate in year three and four. So it's like, I find that's more of a corporate thing as well. So like at Dyson, and I'll happily name them, they can come at me if they want, but they'll put people on a really high salary in year one and two. And then when they're in year three and four, they're, they're probably on the same salary. And at that point, they probably haven't actually got any product to market. So when they're actually looking to move in year three and four, you're then comparing them to a designer at another place who's earning less, who's got product to market. And it's like the employer's going, uh, which one am I going to pick? Probably this one and not this one. So just these are just honest conversations that that, mm-hmm. that we just kind of put out there. And this is just from my experience of working with X company. And, and that in the world of recruitment is, is just completely frowned upon in terms of like actual transparency of of what's going on i I, i've had more issues internally about side truth than i have externally about like brad you can't give that information away or you know you can't tell people who what clients you're working with and things like that that's almost like sacrilege in the world in, in in the world that i do but i just see it as if you're not honest with people then how how can you expect to build a relationship with someone if you're not just kind of bearing all um, and I do that when we go to we do, we do a lot of stuff with um, graduates now mm-hmm. so we go for some strange reason I was getting messages from lecturers saying can you talk to our students who most likely probably going to struggle as hell to get a job this year so I just go and have a very honest and frank conversation like this one with them and say look this is the struggle you're going to have and hopefully it doesn't come across as cold in any way but it's like, this is the issue you're going to have. These are the suggestions I would have of how you might have a better better chance. So things like Instagram is one thing, you know, get, get a bit of a brand behind you, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just bearing all. And I suppose that's where the name Truth came into it. I can't remember when we actually figured out the name Design Truth, but yeah, we just kind of tell it how it is. And I think that's, that's the way things should be, really. But... Um, um, yeah, that, that, that. one thing you both mentioned it, uh, you know, the age of Instagram, um, and there's some good, there's some really good online, uh, you know, portfolio, um, functions as well. I, I think I hate Instagram, by the way. <laughs> See, it's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> motorbikes, just you know, when I'm having a, a, a break from reality, I want to look at my phone. And- <laughs> and you know with us and it does that for me so that's very cool um yeah but i could it, it is that sort of thing of, of um you know putting out the right types of work like if you want to market yourself uh visually it's very it's very tempting to you know we've talked about this about, about to just live in key shots and you know oh don't get me don't get me started about renders and if you're not sketch a day uh and if you're you know if you're not at that level then frankly, there's so much there's so much high quality hand rendering out there now. But if you're, you know, like grade B or C, there's nothing wrong with that. If you can communicate your idea clearly, that's the point of doing a sketch. But if it doesn't look like ooh, oh, beautiful, people just think, oh, I can't draw, so I'm not going to draw. Um, and, and the amount of designers that I've worked with, especially young uh, designers that I've worked with, and say, no, I'm not like, no, you, you, you draw it. I'm not doing that. I draw, my drawings are crap. It doesn't matter. Just grab a chisel marker, grab anything, grab a bit of chalk and communicate your idea to me. And if you can do that quickly, then, you know, we've got, we've got the makings of being able to get some ideas down. And that's the kind of stuff that I think, um, I, I like seeing that, you know, I like seeing a page of just 
glue pencil sketches even if they're overlapping and you can't really figure out and you know there's little elements there's little bits of detail that's when you start to see okay this kid understands and has like a thought process and is trying to get something out that doesn't yet exist um and that's the nature of like of design and idea generation you're drawing something that doesn't yet exist so that you can go make it um yeah it, it it's just it's, that's a really good example of like why we set design truth up because all the content that you see out there doesn't have like an industry focus to it so like drew is a person that heads up a design team effectively um and that's like a manager's kind of saying what he wants and i think that's where a lot of disconnect happens so when i see portfolios and it's like they don't actually hear from the person at the other end of that that tells them this is what i'm looking for in a portfolio this is what i'm looking for in, in terms of skill set. And that's what design truth is about. Uh, very bit, it's just me bringing on clients, basically just saying, can you just talk and rant to people? That is kind of what it is. Um, so, but that's where we hope we can help. And I think Instagram is kind of getting lost in this kind of mystique of a key shot render. But I look at it and I just go, my clients wouldn't think that's any good. And I think my, I think some of the people that I work with and just for context, they're probably some of the biggest names in, in our industry they wouldn't like it so and that that's always been the world that i've lived in like because the, the, they're the people that pay the bills so um that's all that i've ever known so when i see it and i think well it's a great render but i know xyz look at that i think that's crap so that it's just trying to kind of communicate that message to both parties of like this is what industry's saying this is what industry wants and then that's where we want to go into education and say look this is all great you're teaching these things but these kids they need to learn how stuff is made and if they don't they're not being taught how stuff is made they haven't got a hope in hell because i can t i can pick up the phone and you know give you the director's number here of the guy that works down at ghd he'll look at that and think that's crap that's just that's just kind of hopefully because I'm not a designer I can come in and maybe be a bit more loose in my language but that's just how I kind of yeah. present present things to people whether that's right Hector I don't know but no um, I I 100% agree with you I think that's what we try to do with advanced design and that's what we're trying to do with our design school that we just launched last year or yeah we we were massive we're massive fans of offsite by the way offside. that is that is something that we're we huge we think that's um got tremendous potential just like how you just mentioned actual designers and in industry look at these pretty renderings or these pretty sketches and they look right past the bullshit it's it's about can you actually manufacture something that makes it to market and that's what yeah. the business of design is um so yeah completely agree with you and i think our our platform we're always making sure that we're honest about that and i'm glad that you guys are as well that's yeah, we had a we had a guest on Hector called Win. I'll mention his Win Jones. He was a head of design in a company here in London, and he we were talking about design education. And he was like, "Why?" We, we, he was thinking very idealistically in terms of his point. But he said, "Why can't we just get like the best names in our industry from the best agencies? Get them in a room together, and they and they just teach modules to kids." Mm -hmm. Like, what we're kind of relying on this very old prehistoric way of doing things. It's like we can probably do that half the cost as well. We're not going to. We're not going to over here in the UK. It's, is it nine thousand still a year for a student, Drew? I think it's something mental like that. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was. Uh, it was what five grand a year when I went, and that was a long time. Yeah, why don't Why don't we just kind of ring up Paul Priestman and all the others and just say, "Look, teach the kids." Exactly. Uh, 
And that's why I think offside has got tremendous potential because I think kids are going to come out and think, really, that's all I got? I've just got a bit of paper, whereas I can do a 12-week course with these lot and I'm going to learn a hell of a lot more than what I've learned in three years. And I'm sure as you guys progress, you can kind of link people up with internships and all that kind of stuff because they'll be like, actually, we get better grads from offsite than we do from, you know, the, the other places. So yeah, I think we've got it's got tremendous. Um, we actually potential. we just started doing that. A lot of our students started to get opportunities, and mm. you're absolutely right. Uh, if you guys have a problem in the UK, imagine America. Our education system here is ass backwards. <laughs> it, not only because it's super traditional and they don't like change but the like it's super elitist too like if you're just outrageously expensive and um you're right let's get the best designers to educate the next generation of designers um the designers who are shipping products who know the business of design who know some of the stuff that you don't learn in traditional academia so that that has been with offset what, what I think that's going to happen in over the next couple of years is what you're going to see is that you're already seeing it when you type in like product design on LinkedIn. It's, a, it's an app-based thing now. Mm. So what you're going to find in, I don't know, 2023, four, whatever, the kids aren't going to be going for industrial design degrees. They're going to be going for UX degrees because they get, A, they're going to earn double, as, double the money. And it's the sexy end of the industry. Now, if those, uni if those uni universities don't react to that change, I think it's quite damning in terms of when I think about my job and talent pools and things like that, because the talent pool is going to go from here to here. There's just mm -hmm. not going to be as many people that can do the job. And we're already at that place now anyway, where kind of employees will come to me and say, Brent, I've been looking for this person for six months, and I just can't find anyone that meets the standard for our organisation. That's going to get incredibly harder if at a junior level they're just going to come in and say actually i'm going to go and design i don't even know what ux people do they design pensions that they drew or something like that i don't even know what these people do well, yeah, but... <laughs> that was um yeah i was looking for product design jobs uh earlier this year uh, so i changed jobs um in what august uh July, yeah, summertime summertime isn't it yeah, yeah. So uh, the secret is out that I was job hunting. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to offend anybody at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's a product designer. Okay, that seems good. It's with this company. You get sort of drilled down and it's a product designer, but it's designing bank accounts and pensions. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin on that. I don't even know what, like, why that's called a product. Like, I don't know how to injection mold a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it that you know you're looking at experience you're trying to deliver a service via any embodiment right and that that embodiment is the product but it just seems so far removed yeah. and i know okay you, we're not just going to be designing lamps and chairs for you know a uh, hundred years but i do think there needs to be a very clear universally understood differentiation in the nomenclature about I, I mean, I, I, I describe myself now as an industrial designer, whereas at the start of my career, like I say, I graduated product design. But now I think to be clear, I think it, it's more specific that, you know, an industrial designer, uh, once you're in the industry, you know what you're looking for is someone who is going to, uh, you know, gain some insights, generate some ideas, find a solution, deliver. So as we're wrapping up this kind of interview, I have one thing I want to talk about. Um, because this past weekend, some shit went down. Yeah. Yeah Design posted these amazing 
uh, stats about women in design and how just there's so much discrimination in our industry. Um, here in the United States, absolutely, I can tell you for sure that it's happening on a global scale. I'm sure things. Well, those stats are from the UK, weren't they? Yeah. So they're taking from the Design Council from the UK. Um, but here in the United States, uh, it's spread like wildfire. And this is something that we already knew. But for some reason, we love to bury this shit under the rug and be like, all right. We talked about it. Let's move on. And then it'll come up again. And then it'll come up once a year. And it's annoying. And any, I feel like that happens to any, any issue that really matters. Uh, our industry just buries it under the rug. And then we'll deal with it. It's like slapping a bandaid on something, right? Um, and it's, as it starts to peel away, we slap another one. Um, but we got to talk about it. Um, yeah. Because you guys are now joining... Um, you know, uh, uh, industrial design, you're joining a field of different communities. You have IDSA, you have other organizations, and we're all kind of doing things to stand up to what's happening. Yeah. It's, like what we, it's like what we said earlier, isn't it? In the sense of we, it's, there's, there are certain topics where I feel you kind of, you can't just kind of say nothing. And I think, again, it comes to that point of when you've got a little bit, not say, in, I don't think me and Joe have got influence, but we've got people that listen. So we have to say something. Otherwise, it's, you can't, there are certain things where you say, actually, you know what, I don't really have an opinion on this, or I'm not the expert on this, I'll duck out. But then there are other topics that are a little bit bigger than that, where you actually say, no, that's just not acceptable. So I think this is one of those topics where it kind of goes beyond that kind of, actually, you know what, me and Drew probably aren't the best people to say about this. So we'll just kind of stay in the middle. It's kind of, you kind of have an opinion on this one either way, don't you, I think? That's just from my my. I think, I mean, the, the Yanko uh, post was, yeah, it was incredible. I think you look at the explosion in the comments section as well, it shows you that it's not going to go away unless... Um, unless we really address the root causes of these things, and it's not just um, it's not just design, is it? I mean, no, no. As a, as a symptom or something much, much bigger. Yeah. Um, I do think a lot of work seems to have been done in 2020 um, regarding um, you know, diversity and 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 and. Um, and, and, a, and a broader sense of empathy and, and, and really, to be honest, as you say, like peeling the rug back and looking at the shit that's been under there for generations. Um, I think a lot of what we're seeing now are symptoms of just things being ignored and things being accepted that, uh, I mean, Christ, I, I, it, 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 yeah, it's upsetting to see and it's upsetting to know that uh, by not realizing it and by not doing something, uh, not taking action sooner, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that we're complicit. And I think that's the thing that really stinks because it's not just something that's happening to other people. Anything, any kind of discrimination like that is happening to everybody. And it's, um, I would say, even if you are on the receiving end or if you're not on the receiving end, you're complicit if you're if you're not arguing against it if you're not taking a stand and trying to trying to do something different i mean for me a lot of the time the cvs just don't come like you get cvs from a select demographic 
Yeah, we we spoke we spoke we have we have spoke we have spoken about this, didn't we, Julian? By the time it gets to kind of us in the sense of hiring manager and recruiter, whatever, it's almost a little bit too late. And I think this yeah. is where, because I was I don't know if I was active on on a particular Discord the other day, but I was just trying to give people a little bit more of an insight into the hiring because I think one of the common and quite right points that people make is well, just hire more women is the is the the, the absolute the blanket statement that people make unfortunately it's actually a lot more complex than that in the sense of it needs to happen at an earlier level that's i think from my understanding and context of the stats is that it's people that are studying industrial design but then when it gets to kind of an industry they've tailored off and they've gone to something else so they've been they're going down and doing cmf or something else and it's almost like they they wanted to become an industrial designer but for some reason they're just not getting that first foot through the door and then that has this massive knock-on effect when you know i'm looking for someone with four years experience and it's like i can't tell you heck to how many times i've been in hiring meetings with a company that will say brad i'm i'm desperately trying to find a female designer it's almost like the acknowledgement of it is there but there's some kind of disconnect in terms of like, okay, maybe we need to like sacrifice a few things to make that happen. So it's like, I need a female designer, but I also need this person to hit the brief. So the same brief of what I've already given you. So yeah, they need to know injection molding. They need to know this. But if they're not getting that foot in the door from day one, then by the time it gets to year four, that's that's where the the, the real discussion. So I think there is like a, an industry acknowledgement of the issue because I've been in so many meetings about it, but there is some kind of disconnect um, that's happening. I think, just from my perspective, at an earlier level, and and that's where this kind of knock-on impact is having. Um, there is that's just what I've experienced. Uh, I wonder person. if there's a difference between sort of in-house and and agencies. Um, mm. Well, in, well, in, the thing is with in-house teams. In-house teams generally, this is a sweeping generalization, but they are larger, aren't they? So, from like a training perspective, I mean, in the UK, most people they're going to be probably they could have go to Dice and they're going to get their few years training. They're the places where they can kind of facilitate, kind of just having if it's like a small five person agency in the middle of nowhere it's going to be a little bit trickier for them to say right we're going to make sure that we've got a 50 50 split in our interns for example because it's just going to be quite tough for them but in bigger organizations where they're more i would call like the training organizations so they're like get people industry ready the onus really should be on those companies to because they can have a bigger impact on, on fixing that big companies that have small design teams as well. So yeah, you make sure. and they've got a huge, you know, uh, campus. Oh yeah, I work with yeah. companies, and then you look, you go, and there's only like five people that work there, and you're like, well, buddy, how on earth are you pushing out such great products? <laughs> it's like five people that work there, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, those those are more of the teams that I've been in. It's like in those small design teams in big companies. And um, I, 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 I honestly, I don't have any of the answers. What no. I can, you know, and I, and I, I wouldn't profess to. What I would say is uh, it's a symptom of yeah. something much bigger. Yeah. I, I, you know, when we, when we, uh, when we had Vish on, um, on what episode five, six, something I can't like, remember. And we talked um, about, we had to, we got onto this subject and Hector, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll cut off soon because when we got onto this subject with Vish on our podcast, um, you know, 
we had to make it into a separate standalone um, episode because, uh, yeah, it's frightening. It's enormous and it's frightening uh, because if you don't have those, those diverse perspectives and opinions, you lack so much empathy in your design work. Um, the, yeah, it, it, it's a self-perpetuating um, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of stakeholders that need to really come in and really change a lot of this. I think it goes back to design education as well, because that's where they learn and the school mm. should be responsible for preparing, you know, everyone equally and giving everyone an equal opportunity to succeed. Here in the States, you have some programs that are so competitive that they kick you out of the program after one or two years because you don't you're not able to make it to the third year um, or they have to fill in a quota or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of just a lot of walls and usually the people that are at a disadvantage lose. Um, but here's my question to you guys. Cool. As one, as you guys started Design Truth and right now it's a, it's a, it's a topic and I think this is just the beginning of this conversation for someone from the outside looking in and they're like, well, I'm a woman designer. What is Design Truth doing about this? Or can they interview more women? But what are they doing to be an ally? What would you guys say to, to them? Do you want me to answer that, Drew? Want... Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I would say is the guests that we have lined up for the start of next year, um, I think the five or six that we're talking to, women in, in that and at different levels as well and I would also yeah, we say the biggest point that I want to get across on this is that I think we've, we start, when we started uh, the original series as well we had Emma with us as well um, and we were always looking for uh, for women to join as guests um, yeah, and again the responses that come in when we ask for guests are you know, middle class white men yeah it's I, the hell out of us as well you know I can't, I can't answer it. I, I can't answer it in, in the sense of when we first started, it's probably like April, May time. I, one of the first things I actually did was I spoke to a couple of kind of female designers that I know. We've had Merle on our podcast recently, who's a, a CEO at a Bristol-based agency here. She's quite an influential kind of female in design figure. It was actually one of the first things I did was to talk to them and say, how do you suggest that we broach the topic? Because at some point or another, it's going to probably come up in the sense of, in the same way that we think design education is a bit crap, it's going to come up, you know, we need to just kind of, how, what would you suggest that we do? Or this is what we're thinking. Um, we had a few things that kind of came up, and I don't know if this is like a, just a British thing in terms of um, how they saw it, but one of the early bits of feedback we had was, is A, we, we don't actually want to necessarily talk about the topic of equality, we want to be on this podcast to talk about design and that's what we're here we almost don't want to be just to have this kind of novel conversation it's just because i'm a woman i feel like i have to talk about equality that was quite a big thing that came up quite early on because we had ideas and we would say okay let's do like a special and we'll bring all people on and we can all talk they can all talk about their experiences they were actually no we don't want that we just want to be treated in the same way as what you would treat any other guest on so what we did quite early on was we said, okay, we kind of, if it starts to get to a point where 
it's starting to feel a bit male heavy in terms of episodes. So we've done a few and it's a bit like, it's not like we can ever say like every episode, you know, it's going to be one kind of woman kind of representative. And it's just impossible to do that as um, because we've got day jobs, something we do in our spare time. We, we're, we're quite reactionary in terms of someone sends us a message saying they want to come on and we just get them on because we're still in a phase of, Oh, someone actually wants to come on and talk to us. We're still quite amazed by that. But when it gets to a point where it's getting a little bit male heavy, we'll kind of have a chat and say, actually, you know what? Now's probably the time we should have on a, a female guest and we'll make a bit more of an active effort. Equally, Hector, and you'll know this from your own experience of putting a podcast together, not everyone wants to come on a podcast. <laughs> not everyone feels comfortable coming on and having a chat about this topic. So you also have to respect that as well. And so actually, if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, knowing your employer is probably going to be listening to this thing, we totally get that. So that's yeah. just from our from our experience of how uh, of of trying to navigate the topic in a way which doesn't feel like we're just talking about it because we've got a woman on type thing. I think it's um, we we want to just kind of make sure it's almost just kind of ingrained in the conversation. Completely um, understand. One suggestion that I would have for you guys as you continue to grow, um, I would you know with a lot of these issues you know, like as a, as a, as a male, I don't know. And, and sometimes I need to listen and sit back uh, and just listen. Um, and, and sometimes um, this conversation um, as much as I want to help, this is not my time to come no, in no. and try to save the day. Right. So and one thing that we do when stuff like this happens is we allow for our team, our team is full of uh, diverse people from all walks of life. And if someone is comfortable to come forward, then th those people reach out to the people that are, are, the, are being uh, uh, taken advantage of or discriminated or vulnerable. Um, and I sit back and mm. listen and I learn. Um, because I can tell you that right now at, in this moment with a lot of this, this happening with, with the women in design, they, they don't want to come onto our platform and, no, and no. onto our territory, you know, um, we need to go to them and be like, look, we yeah. help you. We're here, anything you need. And that's something that I, 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 as I'm looking at our discord and other people's discords, you know, it's like, uh, it, I, I see, you know, guys like, oh yeah, like let's bring women and let's, uh, let's bring one to our podcast. And you're just like, dude, are you, are you insane? Like, but you're. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. There's kind of a good intention there. It but, is, but yeah. it's. It's like, let's talk about it on my terms. In my, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just like, dude. Ah, you need to listen. Like, listen more because this is not. You know, have have other women in your team or in your community step up and then reach out. Um, yeah. Because yeah, like a lot of this stuff we can't solve, and uh, we need to learn. This is new to a lot of people, um, and mm. it's not the first time. Twenty twenty, like you said in the beginning of this of this interview, it's a mad year, and uh, a lot of shit went down. Not just in design, but general, like inhumane. A lot of social stuff happened, um, and a lot of us were just shocked because we didn't know how to react to it because we've never experienced it or we've never had to we've never had to experience it because you know you um you know politics don't affect you but yeah well, yeah. well whilst we're on this topic one thing i'll just i'll just say before we wrap up i actually really hope that yanko take this further mm -hmm. 
in a sense of I feel they are probably more so than ever perfectly placed now to really kind of turn the screw on this in the sense of hey we I want to see uh, this is I don't know if I'm being cynical here but are they just using this for an engagement piece or are they actually going to do something about it because I could quite easily put up a post on my LinkedIn and say it's an issue but you could do that every six months and you get the same set of replies but nothing ever gets done so what I would absolutely love Yanko to do, and I've actually messaged them independently and said, this is just my suggestion. It's probably for the holes, but just hear me out here. I think they should engage with the other media outlets. And what has surprised me is that we're on Monday here. Mm-hmm. I've not heard a dicky bird from Core 77. I've not heard anything from other media outlets that have had time now. It's not as if they had the week, they were off at the weekend. They have seen the comments to get the views engagement. And they've not said a dicky bird. And for, as we all say, kind of silence says a lot, I think, on, on topics like this. So I think what Yanko, what I'd love to see them do is, I said, reach out to the other media outlets. Mm-hmm. I use Core 77 example because I don't really know that many other ones. <laughs> so hopefully, don't take that as a dig, Core 77. It's just, I know who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, reach out to the brands, reach out to the agencies, reach out to the universities and say, we want to do this thing. And then here's the, the killer. If they're not on board, I want you to call them out. Yank, you've got Yanko has the platform. I've got millions of followers. They say, hey, we got in touch with Samsung and they weren't buying it. And we want to let you know that they're not buying this campaign. That I think is a real, is a tangible next step. And I think that's what I see, what I get a little bit annoyed about in comments when, have, when these topics come up is that some of it's a little bit tit for tat in terms of, there's no actual actionable like step that comes from it. It's just like one side and one side and they're both moaning a little bit each other. And of course they've got a right to moan, but nothing, it's this cycle. No one's actually thinking step back. Let's just ignore this, these kind of visceral comments. I just think, what are we actually going to do that fixes the problem? And I suppose it's a little bit why truth came about in terms of design education. What are we actually going to, rather than just me being in a conversation with a client saying, oh, design education's a bit crap. Well, why don't we just do something about it? Why are we, we, you know, we're continually having these conversations and whilst they're great and they kind of feed our egos a little bit, let's just go and do something about it. Let's just go and engage with the educators and see what their issues are. So let's engage with the media outlets, engage all the brands, have a campaign, whatever that campaign looks like. I'm sure there's some person in marketing that could do a much better job than me and they're earning a lot more money than me and I'll leave that to them but come up with a campaign with some actionable tangible next steps obviously engage with the female design community and see what they have to say um make sure it's in a space where they feel comfortable that you're not going to all of a sudden oh well tell your boss that you know kind of thing because it is such a small incestuous world and then here's the thing then document that process so like here's the campaign and then make sure that you're continually weaving this into the conversation in terms of, hey, we've just had our monthly roundtable catch up. Build content around it, videos, podcasts, things like that, where you're continuing this constant content stream. That's how I think you can really start to work. That's just from my perspective, how you can really start to work on the both the complexities of the topic, because I think sometimes it's oversimplified. And then also just kind of then hopefully from that, you'll start to see an investment from the brands, the agencies, where it's like, shit, if we don't do anything about this, our business is probably mm-hmm. in jeopardy here because there's a lot of people here that aren't happy. There are consumers. They're not happy that our design team isn't diverse. 
And the minute it starts to get into their self-interest is probably when you're going to start to see some tremendous kind of leaps and bounds. I do think, however, though, that you are, although those stats were quite alarming, I do genuinely think that you, you will start to see some quite dramatic improvement in that anyway. I think if you look at kind of graduate cohorts now at places like Loughborough and Brunel, they're incredibly diverse and there's some awesome talent there. I think that the hiring manager's perspective is changing because hiring managers of a certain age are starting to get into decision-making decisions, right? So for example, a hiring manager now is of a certain age, whereas before they might be like 60, 70. So they've got different views on the world. So naturally, as that starts to happen, diversity will also become more of a, a key part. I don't think I've ever seen a generation so kind of passionately enthusiastic about it in terms of how vocal they are about it. So naturally, I think you're going to start to see change. It's probably going to be quite slow. But I think Yanko is perfectly positioned to really turn the screw on it. And that's just what I... I thought I'd at least kind of give my perspective to them for, as a, someone that's been in hiring and say, look, it's actually quite complex, but you can, you've got the power to do something quite, quite cool here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think they're in a, in a position of, they have the responsibility and I can tell you mm. that they are going to start doing something because I've been talking to them as well. And mm. I think they're going to start to finally do something. When I say finally, it's I think because for a real long time, they never commented they would just post. Um, and one thing I told them was like, I'm really happy you guys started to comment because it really recognizes mm. your channel that yeah, yeah. it shows us that there's someone behind the account. And yeah. it's not just look at this glossy render, you know, it's actually exactly. uh, personal. Yeah. yeah. But um, that being said, um, I think we covered a lot of stuff. You guys are doing amazing um, keep working hard because I know that what you're doing is not easy. It does require a lot of your time and energy. Um, but uh, we really appreciate it. I, I think uh, our community uh, really appreciates what you guys are doing. Um, there's so many, um, you know, I, I really wish that I was a student in this specific time because there's so many resources that people can pull from. There's all these organizations that can coexist and everyone is doing different things um and back when i was a student you i don't even think the word industrial design was on the internet you'd have to find it in a book um mm. but <laughs> that being said you guys are, are doing fantastic thank you for building community in 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 you know in europe i think it's important there's too many things happening here in the United States. Um, and uh, you guys are really kind of peeling that onion, you know, like really, like you said, Design Truth, I think the name fits um, because you guys are really talking about some some very um, dynamic uh, topics in design. So I, I appreciate both your time, Drew and Brad. For those who are listening, I'm going to link their social media channels and their website to the, the caption, and then we're going to follow up with them on our Discord channel and also start including you know their salary guide and other resources that they've built. They have an amazing blog as well, if you haven't checked it out, and we'll link their uh, podcast as well. Um, but Brad and Drew, thank you for ending the 2020 with us. Um, and hopefully- Oh yeah, happy Christmas. Yeah, happy, <laughs> healthy. And uh, hopefully you guys kick off 2021 with an awesome um, and exciting, you know, plan to, to inspire all of us. So brilliant. Thanks for that. Amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having do, us. Uh, do, do, awesome. you know, 
do you know when you go live on this? Um, because we find editing horrendous. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're still recording. So for those who are listening, oh, sorry. <laughs> I think this is the the cool part about podcasts is that uh, we're also kind of semi you know, uh, casual, but for those who are listening, expect this recording to probably go live sometime in the middle of the holidays, just because we like to continue to, to drop uh, content as people are kind of chilling. They can, you know, uh, listen to this on Spotify or or other podcast platforms, but sometime before, before 2021, we'll make this available. So be on the lookout. If you're listening, thank you for tuning in and Brad and Drew and design truth. Keep it real. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. You can find us at Context with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Context is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Betuel Benitez and music by Shide from Pixabay.